Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm sharing the audio portion of this week's episode of Ask Dr. Susan Live, my YouTube show. And today we're talking about questions about hormone replacement, hormone pellets, hormone suppositories, what levels are right for our hormones, and also platelet-rich plasma for hair restoration. Hi, and it's time for another episode of Ask Dr. Susan Live. This is episode number four, and we're having a great time with this experiment. We're changing things up a little bit each time, as you can see. And if you want to ask me a question, you can submit it to drsusan.com. That's drsusan.com slash ask, A-S-K. And if you submit a question, we're going to review them, and then we'll give you a call and set up a time for you to call in and ask your question live. You can ask anything about what I do. I'm a gynecologist specializing in midlife wellness, hormone optimization, sexual wellness. I'm also a life coach certified through the ICF. So tons of questions. And it's really generous to ask a question because if you have a question, you know, thousands of other people do. So we've got some really cool questions lined up for today. Our first question is from Savannah. Let's say if we have Savannah on the phone. Hi, Savannah. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Okay, so sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about the um, PRP hair restoration. Um, PRP, so platelet-rich plasma for hair restoration, yeah. Yes, um, I wanted to know if the results are permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I need it in front of my head. I'm kind of contem- uh, contemplating it, but I heard it's painful. Now, that's a great question. So, um We've talked quite a bit about platelet-rich plasma on this podcast before, so just to fill some people in if they don't know about as much as you do, you obviously have already done your research, Uh, but platelet-rich plasma is a wonderful choice for hair restoration. So a lot of us, as we get older, uh, we start having thinning hair that can get worse around perimenopause and menopause. It also gets worse with other hormonal issues like low thyroid. So the first thing we would want to do before we even think about treating you with PRP is check your hormones, make sure there isn't some underlying issue going on that needs to be addressed, like low thyroid, for example. Uh, Some other patients are over-treated with testosterone and can have hair loss, so we want to make sure there's no hormonal issues going on that we need to treat. Uh, But if you came to see me and we found that you were a good candidate for uh, PRP hair restoration, we'd simply draw your blood. And then, as you already know, you're really educated. I can tell that it's uh, spun down to get rid of all of the red and white cells. And then we have just a little concentrated vial of very densely uh, concentrated platelets and plasma. And then that's injected into the scalp in the areas that you have thinning hair. So that does sound painful. You mentioned uh, that people might have told you it's painful. I haven't actually experienced that in our practice. We use a pretty strong topical lidocaine cream that we put on your scalp for about 15 minutes while the blood's spinning. Honestly, we don't even need to do that. Uh, Most of my colleagues who do PRP for hair restoration don't use anything, but I'm really into making things as comfortable as possible. So we'll put some uh, lidocaine on your scalp, and then the injections are made with a tiny little needle. Like Many of us know what a Botox needle is. It's a 30-gauge needle, the smallest one that's made, and tiny little amounts of the PRP are distributed into the areas where your hair is thin. So some people get a little bit of a headache. Um... There's some pressure because there's fluid, you know, going underneath your scalp. So you can imagine that, you know, it feels slightly uncomfortable, but I've never had anyone say that it was painful. Absolutely tolerable. So you can go back to work. You can 
you know, go to the gym, although some sites say that you shouldn't. There's no reason why you can't do normal activities after having this procedure done. So your other question is, is it permanent? Well, nothing in life is permanent. Uh, That is one thing that I can tell you for sure. So the standard uh, treatment with PRP is to do three treatments about a month apart. So, you know, when we're growing new anything. It takes time, right? So we're not going to see hair growth in the first week or so. It takes a couple of months. And so most patients, if they do the three treatments in a row, you know, by about three months and noticing a significant uh, improvement. And then that continues for about a year. So it lasts a long time. Uh, But when patients do PRP, usually we would recommend repeating it in about a year. And it's different for each person depending on what else might be going on. So the other thing I wanted to mention is that that's just part of a whole program for hair restoration. So uh, I don't personally think we should just do one thing. You know, if I'm losing hair, you know, I might look like I have a lot of hair, but I lost a lot of my hair after my kids were born. And it's alarming. I mean, nobody wants to have, you know, 10% of your hair come out. It's it's very scary. Uh, So we, you know, really appreciate how frustrating that is and kind of scary, right? So PRP has been studied along with minoxidil that you've probably heard of, Rogaine, and it's been shown to be more effective. So it's effective in about 75% of patients, which isn't everybody, but if you're you know well-chosen, most people. Uh, but we use minoxidil and Propecia along with PRP, as well as checking your hormones. And then there's other things that can be done too, depending on what's going on with your hormones, a, a drug called spironolactone that is very helpful if your uh, testosterone's too high. So everybody's different. Um, but long story short, to answer your question, doesn't last forever. No, but it lasts a really long time, especially if you do these other treatments along with it. And then uh, it doesn't hurt. I mean, they're really a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, we, we've got fun stuff. We have nitrous oxide in our office, too, for people that are just scared of needles. You know, that happens. So, you know, we can definitely make it tolerable. So how does that sound? That sounds exciting. Uh, you're more than welcome to try it out and call the office and set up some appointment. Yeah, I think it's worth trying, you know, and like I said, when you come in, uh, what we would do for any patient who's uh, considering any sort of hair restoration program, we're going to sit down and look at your scalp, talk to you about the history that you have with your hair loss, check your hormones. If you went to a provider that just had you walk in and just treated you with PRP without doing that, I would definitely count that as a red flag. Do your homework, look at other providers too. Of course, we'd love to see you, but I think it's really, really important for anyone listening that... Uh, you got to make sure that whoever's treating you checks all the boxes and make sure we figure out, you know, why are you losing hair? Maybe there's a reason that we can treat. You know, we're still going to treat you, but, you know, we want to make sure we're not missing anything. So, yeah, come in and see us. And for uh, listeners who are looking for a provider, you can Google in your area. You know, we're here in Houston, but um, if you're somewhere else, a lot of people are doing PRP for hair restoration. But, you know, that's just my little pearl of wisdom. Just do, you know, do your homework. Make sure that they're not just treating you without checking for what else is going on because it's a big investment. I mean, you're spending possibly several thousand dollars. So you, so you want to make sure that you're getting everything that you deserve. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. You have a good afternoon. So this is really interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, when we're talking about hormone imbalance and all of these other things that happen in midlife, um, hair loss is one of the most common complaints that we hear. Uh, There's so many common complaints, but hair loss is really, really common. And so if that's happening to you, 
Uh, you're not alone, number one. And secondly, there's just a whole bunch of things that we can do. So if anyone tells you, well, that's just part of getting older or, oh, well, it runs in your family or <laughs> something like that, you know, just dig a little bit deeper because, um, you know, hair and skin, it's what we're putting forward first. It, it matters. It makes us feel bad when we lose our hair. And I know when that happened to me, it was a pretty scary situation. So uh, you won't lose all your hair. You won't go bald. But we can definitely work on ways to restore that you know, thicker hair that you had when we were younger. And this adds to a little bit of self-confidence. So that was a great question, Savannah. We have another question from Debbie. Let's see if we can get Debbie on the line. Hi, Debbie. Hi, doctor. How are you? I am good. Debbie, where are you calling from today? A small town in Wisconsin. Oh, well, so, well, what's the weather like up there? We're having a beautiful day here in Houston. It's actually turned into fall finally, I think. Well, the trees are turning and the sun is shining today. Nice. It is currently 72 degrees. Well, it sounds about like it is down here. Well, it's nice to meet you over the phone. Uh, tell me what question that you have for us today. Okay. Um, on the 28th of September, I had two hormone pellets implanted, 125 milligrams of testosterone and 25 milligrams of, well, actually it was three pellets, one 100 milligram testosterone and one 25 milligram testosterone and one 25 milligram estradiol. And it took over a week, but I stopped sweating constantly and noticed the difference. But I started hearing from other women that they had received suppository hormone replacement instead of pellet. And this made sense to me because with suppositories, you can change the dosage. And also, once your pellets dissolve, there's no downtime between that time and when you get new ones. For me, it took about 10 days for them to activate. Yeah, so, so there's lots of, lots of parts to this question, um, and it speaks to a lot of different uh, things. So I'm so grateful that you asked it, and then I'll ask you a few more questions too. So um, what this is speaking to is what's the best delivery method for bioidentical hormones? So it sounds like we're all on the same page that receiving hormones is a good thing right? So we're in agreement about that. And then there's different ways that we can safely get these hormones into our system. There's not really a better way or a worse way. It's just different based on what works for different patients. So the rules with hormones are pretty simple. For estrogen, estradiol, and testosterone, we do not want to give those by mouth because they've been shown to increase liver enzymes, increase cholesterol, even increase risk of blood clot, heart disease, stroke, things like that. So we're all in agreement that uh, estrogen and testosterone, we don't want to give by mouth. So then that leaves any kind of other way, right? So pellets are a great way to receive hormones. That's what I have in my system. And I'll talk to you a little bit about your uh, comments about pellets, which are very valid. Um, you can use a cream. You can put something in the vagina. So when you're talking about suppositories, you're talking about putting something in the vagina that dissolves locally. Yeah? That's... Yes. Right. So um, hormone suppositories work locally and they're great for vaginal dryness. Uh, they're great for uh, improving the thickness of the tissue. If we have what's called uh, 
vaginal atrophy where the uh, vaginal tissue can get really thin and it can cause pain with sex. It's terrible. So we don't want that. So you can uh, get testosterone and estrogen, even progesterone, but that's not usually used in uh, protocols for postmenopausal women. But you can get all three hormones in a vaginal application, which could be a cream or it could be a little suppository where the cream's sort of made into a like a bullet-shaped little thing. And compounding pharmacies can make this. And it's great for local symptoms. It really is. So that's a very valid way to treat local symptoms. The problem, if, if there is one, is that we don't get very high levels of those hormones in our system when we're using local estrogen and testosterone. So if someone's only issue was vaginal dryness and pain with intercourse, suppositories would be a great option. Now, it would be missing a few things because it wouldn't get in high enough levels to uh, reduce our risk of Alzheimer's disease and osteoporosis. It wouldn't help with your hot flashes, for example. It wouldn't help with anything really above the waist, but really, really great for, for local treatment. Does that make sense? Yes, that is what I wanted to know. I wanted to know, are there any side effects from suppositories that there are not from pellets? Yeah, no, they're not. You know, there's a little bit of a hassle. So um, one nice thing about uh, pellets is, you know, you have them put in and you don't have to worry about doing anything every day, right? So I kind of like that because I'm busy and I'm sure you are too. Uh, so with suppositories, the only side effect, so to speak, is that uh, it's messy. You know, these they melt and there's some gooey stuff and you know, you shouldn't have sex right afterwards. And, you know, there's just, there's a little bit of a, when I tried using uh, topical creams myself, there's some user error on my part <laughs> and I didn't use them as often as I should because it's a little bit of a hassle to do. So pellets have that ease factor for sure. There's no side effects from suppositories other than that you've got this, it's a little bit of a messy, sticky mess sometimes because most suppositories are uh, designed to use daily, you know, depending on what compounding pharmacy makes them. And again, they will not help with hot flashes. They're not going to help with your bone health or reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease or breast cancer like pellets will, but they really do help with local symptoms. So it's a great option for vaginal dryness or, or pain with intercourse. Uh, so just to comment on your uh, uh, testosterone levels, actually, if you're on uh, testosterone pellets, you have to keep in mind what the lab means by normal range and high. So a testosterone level of 200 actually does fall in the ideal range for someone who's receiving testosterone pellets for the reasons that we give them, like a sexual wellness, maintaining muscle, uh, decreasing the risk of breast cancer, helping with bone density. So 150 to 250 is the target that we're looking for, and that would be uh, four to six weeks after you've received your pellet. So, so that's a good number. Now, if it gets higher than that, we can run into side effects with things like acne, hair growth. So, you know, too much of a good thing is not a good thing, right? It's like I always talk about salt. It's like too much salt tastes terrible, too little tastes terrible. So testosterone has to be kept in a very tight window. But your levels actually, I would say that's very good. Now, it is going to read high on a standard lab because uh, may I ask your age? 69. So, so when we're, I'm 54, when we're 54 or 60 or 69, uh, the lab is going to expect that our testosterone level is going to be very close to zero because that would be normal for someone our age. It would also be normal to have an estrogen of zero and a progesterone of zero. So, you know, when we raise our hormone levels, the lab will read that as high, but that doesn't mean that it's uh, too high for you. Uh, now, each person on pellets has a different 
level where she feels great. Like, for example, I, I like mine to be closer to 150. I find when mine gets closer to 200, my skin gets a little bit oily. I, you know, I prefer it to be lower. I have other patients who really want it to be 250. Just knowing that everybody's different, I think, is really important. And this is customizable. Um, you're right. Like once you've got those pellets and you can't take them out, so it's critical to get the right dose. But it sounds like at least your testosterone was dosed correctly. That's a very high dose of estrogen that they gave you. I'm interested to know what your estrogen level is, but for sure that's going to make uh, hot flashes go away, um, which is wonderful. You know, there's not like a one level where everybody should be. That's not a, a true statement. But what we have found in our practice and from you know, tens of thousands of other women who've received pellets, we need a level of somewhere about 40 to 80 on, for our estradiol in order to make hot flashes go away, help with vaginal dryness, and also that's enough to protect our bone and protect us from Alzheimer's disease, colon cancer, all the good stuff. If it gets over 100, many patients have breast tenderness, water retention, you know, it can make you feel sort of fat and squishy, so moody. We don't want estrogen to be too high. We don't need it to be like it was when we were, uh, you know, not 20s and 30s. I have teenage daughters and their estrogen level would be maybe at the lowest 150 and at the highest 350 during a cycle, but we don't need it to be that high. We just need enough to get rid of our symptoms. So running estrogen too high is the main reason why people complain about pellets. They have weight gain, water retention, breast tenderness. Sometimes they have vaginal bleeding. It's really important not to run your estrogen too high or anything. I did have a little bit of breast tenderness, mm -hmm. but it seems to be dissipating. That's good. Yeah, so none of this is permanent. Even if you were someone who had significant side effects from estrogen being too high, you know, it wears off. But, of course, we don't want you to suffer. I found it. My estrogen is 39, and it was less than 15 prior to the pellets. Yeah. Uh, well, so 39, if your hot flashes have gone away, that's a good level. Of four, that's 40. Let's just round it up. 40 yep. to 80 is what I would consider to be ideal. So so that sounds like they nailed it and got you on a really good dose. So um, if it was a lot higher, you wouldn't feel good. So I'm, I'm glad. It sounds like you're feeling pretty good. Is that, is that, is that true? Yes, I'm, I'm feeling much better. Wonderful. And I'm taking oral progesterone, yeah. 200 milligrams. That's what I take, exactly the same. And um, actually, your dose of testosterone is the same as what I get. So it's weight-based. So I, without even seeing you, I can tell that you're not a very big woman because um, 125 milligrams of testosterone is on the lower end. So the hormones are uh, I dosed. I lost 113 pounds yeah, by I, not eating carbohydrates. Good for you. So, so you might choose if you do decide to stay with your pellets on your next round to drop the dose down to, a little bit. After speaking with you, I definitely will stay on pellets. Yeah, I, that's what I'm choosing to do also. Uh, one word of wisdom, and you can sometimes be wiser than your providers when you know this, is, of course, when you start pellets, when I started pellets, too, my hormone levels were zero. And like yours, less, you know, unmeasurable. Of course, that's the case because we're postmenopausal. And then when we come back to get another pellet, we're not starting at zero. Well, you were mentioning, you know, of course, we don't want the hormones to just disappear and then have us go into a slump every three and a half to four months. That would be terrible. So we want to time the next pellet to be just when this one is starting to wear off. And then, as you know, it takes a couple of weeks for the new one so that we kind of cross over. And it takes some detective work to do that. Every, every patient's different. So 
when uh, patients are seen in our office, we work really closely with each person to find out the ideal timing for their repeat pellet. And generally, if you had come in at the, you know, a really good level, like 200 on your testosterone, I would drop your dose down the second time because otherwise your level is going to go up. It's called a stacking effect. And you can imagine why that happens when you get pellet after pellet, your levels are going to go up. And then what often happens is patients say, oh, I felt really good the first time. And then the second time was okay. And then I started having all kinds of side effects the third time. That's because they didn't drop your dose. Um, So uh, ask your provider if they know about the stacking effect. I certainly hope they do. Um, And a common thing that providers do who do a lot of pellets is, is not give the same exact dose every time because otherwise we will see those levels go up. And you seem like you feel great. I mean, estrogen of 40-ish um, and testosterone of 200, I would say that's a, a win right there. That's a really good level and it's uh, helping you feel better right now, but also providing you with a lot of benefits for the future. You know, we talk all the time about Alzheimer's disease and osteoporosis, but I mean, if we could just not have those two things, that'd be pretty good. Uh, I'd take it. Um, and then also this doctor, new... Doctor, can yeah. you answer me this? Now, the doctor that gave me the pellets said that some of the testosterone would transfer to estradiol. Yes, that's true. So that's a process called aromatization, and it happens in every human body. Uh, men, for example, don't make any estradiol of their own, but when we draw their blood, they have significant levels of estradiol because of this process of testosterone aromatizing or converting into estradiol. So a little bit of testosterone turns into estrogen. So in addition to the estrogen that you're getting, you also get a tiny bit from the testosterone. So we give a product called DIM, D-I-M, which you're probably taking, which slows that process down because you don't want, first of all, you don't want to burn up the testosterone pellet too fast during that process, but also we don't want your estrogen to go up too high. So you're exactly right. In fact, some patients uh, just do testosterone only uh, breast cancer patients, for example, and they they get a little bit of estrogen from that aromatization of testosterone enough to knock out some of those awful symptoms. Like the hot flashes are terrible, right? Yes. Yeah, I had those too. If, I mean, if you can, if that was the I only... I have flashes. <laughs> I was sweating all the time. Oh, horrible. I'm so sorry that you had that. I had that too. And I'm so excited that it's gone because that's just a huge quality of life bummer. Um, it keeps you awake at night. So are you sleeping better? Yes, I wasn't sleeping at all. And now I am sleeping about six hours. Well, you know, for someone who's had a lot of insomnia, I get six hours sounds good. I'd love to get you up to eight, (laughs) but we'll take six. It's better. I would like to get up to eight, but... I'm happy right now. I'm I'm thrilled that I sleep six hours. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Just being able to get some sleep when you've had uh, hormone hormonal insomnia. I had that too. I think it was, I don't know what the worst side effect was of menopause, but that was definitely up there. Chronic insomnia is terrible. I think it sounds like you're on a great path. I'm not sure if I would change anything, but uh, absolutely suppositories or any, you know, you can get vaginal cream, you can get it made into a suppository. There's even prescriptions that you can get from regular pharmacies that can go in the vagina and they're great for local relief of symptoms like vaginal dryness and, and thinning tissue. Really, really good for that. Just not so good for all the other things. So it's kind of a trade-off. These are both really good options. In fact, some patients even do both. Because you get, you know, if you still had vaginal dryness or pain within a course when you're using pellets, which happens for some patients, they can use the vaginal application as well. So, I mean, there's no 
black and white cookbook for this. Every single patient's different and um, all of it's customizable. But it sounds like you, you've got someone who's really working with you and getting your levels exactly where they need to be. So that's great news. Well, thank you very much for your time, doctor. And you answered my question more than I expected, and I am very thrilled to talk to you. Well, I'm so glad you asked it because a lot of patients have the same questions. And, you know, down the road, whatever you decide to do, just let's get back and talk again in the future. We'd love to hear how things are going for you. You could submit another question at drsusan.com slash ask. And you enjoy your beautiful, warm afternoon up there, just like we are down here. Okay, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's so, so confusing, isn't it? Like how to get the hormones in your system? What's the best way? And I found some people feel really religiously attached to one way or the other. That's a little note in my head. Like if somebody's just dead set that there's only one way to do this, that's another what I would call red flag. Um, you know, whatever provider you're seeing, there's a lot of different ways to get these hormones in your system so long as we obey just those basic what I call rules, which is that we don't want to take estradiol or testosterone by mouth and that we want to use bioidentical hormones. I mean, other than that, we can kind of do it however you want to. And then we would, just like we did with this caller, go through the pros and cons and see what works best for you. So that was a great question. Now, I think we have one more question about hormone replacement from Linda. Hey, Linda. Hello. Hi, Linda. It's Hi, Dr. Susan. I'm good. How are you? And where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Louisiana. Oh, well, welcome. So you submitted Thank a really you. interesting question. Um, go ahead and let us know what that is. Yes, I was calling in reference um, about my hormones. I had uh, my hormone surgical removed at age 30. And um, after the surgery, they put me on premium. Yes, the heart urine. And I was on that for like 26 years. And that's the only pill I was on. And then um, I started having like five or six breasts. And my breast was just hurting all the time. So mm. I, and one uh, nurse, she told me, she said, well, you need to get off of that and, and go natural. And, and I was asking her, I said, well, you know, I need to have some kind of hormones in my body. For sure. And she said, no, you don't. You don't need nothing. Mm. Just stop taking it. And so I started researching, looking around, talking to different OBGYN specialists or hormonal specialists. And then they say, well, we have bioidentical hormones. You could use the pellet. So I tried the pellet. They gave me the uh, pellet insertion with the testosterone. So you got estrogen and testosterone in pellet form? Yeah. Yes. And it was. That the company, uh, it was with BioT. BioT, yeah, that's um, who I use. And, I have those in my body right now. Okay, and then when I got the insertion, and then my numbers, my testosterone number went up to 400. Hmm. And he's like, oh, this never happened to nobody. You know, you're the first. And I say, then, well, you know, everybody's body is different, so my body didn't process the testosterone, you know, like rejected. Or I would say you, you know, actually I absorbed it really well. Um, so th- there's a lot of parts <laughs> of your question there. And, and I want to come back to, you know, get the rest of your question. But just to answer a few of those things um, so I can keep 
them in my memory. Uh, hormone pellets are a great option. So poor thing, you had to have your ovaries removed at age 30. I mean, that's obviously that was necessary to do, but that's such a devastating hormonal shift. Uh, you know, most of us get to go through menopause slowly over a period of a few years, but surgical menopause is really mm -hmm. devastating, right? I mean, you needed it done yeah. for sure, but uh, it puts us into mm -hmm. a overnight hormonal crisis. So at the time, may I ask how old you are now? Um, 59. I'm going to be 60 next year. Oh, well, we'll, round, well that's going to be a great birthday, but we'll round down to 59. So uh, <laughs> 29 years ago, Premarin was the best product out there. And, and as you mentioned, Premarin uh, comes from pregnant mare's urine, hence the name. So it's a horse estrogen. And it does work really well for alleviating symptoms of menopause, like hot flashes, night sweats. It, it prevents uh, colon cancer, osteoporosis. So it does have a lot of benefits. But the way that it was administered, okay. and this was studied, as you might know, the huge study called the Women's Health Initiative that was published in 2002, raised some concern that Premarin and, and the other drug that was being given at that time, Provera, could have some health uh, issues. So we've kind of moved away from that. It's not the worst product in the world. I mean, it does uh, alleviate symptoms. I don't like that it harms animals. I mean, it's horrible what they do to horses to get it. And we also know mm -hmm. that uh, because it's taken by mouth, it's really bad for our liver. So so you did the right thing to get off of it. Uh, no harm was done. Yeah, because I had like a cyst on my liver. Right. Well, so, you know, Premarin goes through your liver because you take it by mouth. So it's really good that you decided to change. Um, so you mm -hmm. you fell into a trap that a lot of patients do where they see providers that are still using that old information that we learned back in 2002 and told you to stop taking your hormones, which is really unfortunate uh, misinformation. We, we do not want you to stop taking hormones because we know when we stop taking estrogen, our risk of osteoporosis, Alzheimer's, all the things we always talk about, other health mm -hmm. issues go up. So I'm so glad that you advocated for yourself and decided to stay on your hormones. Now, the next yeah. issue is yeah, like your that. levels are too high. And, and that's, that's true. Mm -hmm. So often if we get a testosterone too high, like yours is too high. Um, we'd mentioned with the previous caller, we look for levels um, if we're using the BioT method from 150 to 250 at the highest. So sometimes mm -hmm. patients will just absorb it faster than, than we think. And that is what happened yeah. to you, which is a really good reason why in our office, we always dose patients on the lower side. I never give a patient the dose that BioT calculates that they should get the very first time, because we don't know, somebody could be like you and be very sensitive. And, you know, no harm will be done. You're, you know, this pellet will wear off. But as uh, we've talked about a lot of times, like if you're, you have these in your body for three and a half to four months, if you get dosed too high, which is really the only reason why anyone complains about pellets when they're dosed too high, you are kind of stuck with those side effects for a while. And that's a pain. Have you had any of the High testosterone side effects like acne, your hair growth, or oily oh, yeah, skin. My face. I never had. I never had acne until 59 years old when my face broke out with acne on my back and my like hair trying to grow on my back and everything. Oh, that's and so I, frustrating. Awful. Well, yeah, so the, the good news is I promise it'll go away. Uh, the not so good news is. Um, you know, it takes a little while for it to go away. And I don't know if your provider has given you, you can take uh, some medicine in the short term that will block the effect of the testosterone for skin and hair. It's called spironolactone or aldactone. It's a prescription that um, 
providers who manage testosterone should be very aware of. Uh, now, I can't say we've ever had a patient with a testosterone of 400, but certainly even when it's 250 or higher, uh, patients don't feel good. So nobody made a mistake. They gave you the dose that would work for most patients, I'm sure. But in your case, you need a lot less, like probably half what you would give in. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, there are some really good treatments to make those symptoms go away. But I think it's a, it's a, like we were just saying earlier with the last caller, I mean, hormones are, it's not more is better, you know, for sure. Like as you have experienced, like when you get levels that are too high, you feel worse yeah. than when they were too low. <laughs> so right, yeah. we've got to be really, really careful and um, not to criticize anyone else's management. But I, I think it, as women, if we're receiving hormone replacement, we've got to be really, really do our homework. And I'm, I'm sure you did. And, um, you know, still be aware that some providers just dose using a cookbook. They don't uh, necessarily drop the dose or check to see if you've been more yeah. sensitive to hormones in the past than other people. Those are all really important questions. Because if you got a dose that was a little bit too low, that's the worst thing could happen. When we check your hormones six weeks later, we can always give you a little bit more. So I'd personally yeah. rather be you know, at risk of dosing a patient too low than too high because of what you're so experiencing. Like a natural stuff to take the lower testosterone? Natural, meaning something that you can get sort of over the counter? Not really. Uh, so the testosterone will metabolize in time. But what we would do is give you a prescription for one of the testosterone blockers. It actually blocks a hormone called dihydrotestosterone, which, which operates at the level of the hair and skin. And that's really helpful when patients do have high testosterone side effects. Uh, so that would be an option for you. And then just knowing that it will go away, it's super frustrating, uh, but not permanent. Mm -hmm. it, it's caused by the testosterone. It will go away as soon as your testosterone gets lower. But, you know, I've met quite a few patients like yourself who've come to see me and, and they say, you know, I just want my hormones managed, but I really don't want those pellets again. I got them last year with Dr. Somebody else mm -hmm. and my levels were all out of whack. And whenever I get the records, we can we can check through it and we can get the levels correct. It just takes um, mm -hmm. time and, and really treating each patient as an individual. So for sure, you, yeah. if you did choose to do the pellets again, I, I understand why you might not want to. <laughs> but if you did, <laughs> you could absolutely get the level correct for you. I, I, I did try the pellets a second time. Okay, at first I started doing a biogenical. And then, you know, because, you know, put using the gel. And to me, that's not really working for me. Yeah. And then I went back and tried to pellets a different brand. And then my number, and she used a very low dose, and my testosterone still went to 400. Well, you've shown by um, example that you're very, very sensitive. So sometimes, you know, if I see yeah. a patient like yourself, well, I'm blessed with this knowledge of already, you know, being able to be a little bit of a backseat driver and say, oh, you should get half the dose. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of learning. So for someone like yourself who's been, you know, shown by history to be super sensitive, you just need a really low dose because everyone's different. And we have, I have some patients like that in hey, our practice who get, give me a real low dose. well, not low enough so, if it went to 400. Yeah, so the nice uh, thing about pellets is um, we can create any dose in the world because uh, they're like little Lego blocks and you can add them together or just use a teeny tiny dose. You know, whatever dose you got, I would probably about okay. half it. I went to a functional medicine doctor, and I was talking to her. She said, you don't need no hormones. It's just your, your glands. Your arenal glands might be high or something. 
And I said, well, I do need uh, hormones. I don't have no ovaries. I said, you can't just treat just the gland. And she said, yes, you can. You just have to detox the liver. Well, it just shows you there's a lot of different opinions out there. Um, I think you're wise to go with what you feel is right for you. Uh, I'm I'm on the yeah. same page as you. Uh, I absolutely need to take hormones, and we know there are lots and lots of health benefits from doing that. There are some, and functional medicine doctors are terrific. They deal with gut health, you know, detoxing liver, all that stuff is yeah. wonderful. But um, I agree with you. I think sometimes, you know, we hear things and we know that doesn't sound quite right for me. And, and that's mm-hmm. really wise to follow our own, you know, little inner voice. If someone says something, it's like, hmm, I don't think that sounds right for me. Yeah. But you're on the right path. Uh, it's a, a lot of people give up. And I can understand why, especially, yeah. you know, if your doctor tells you or your provider says, oh, you, should be, you shouldn't be taking hormones or you, they're bad or these things that we hear, uh, yeah. many of us just give up. And I applaud you for continuing along that path because I, I agree with your feeling that this is the best thing for your health. You just haven't got the dosing quite right yet, but, but don't give up. Yeah. You can get it right. Okay. And, and there's enormous benefits right. from uh, taking the hormones that you're taking just in the doses that are right for you. All righty. You know, we talk about this a lot, I know, but when you're interviewing a doctor, I would spend the first five minutes just kind of seeing if they're a good fit for you. Ask them a couple of key questions that, that are important to you and see how they respond. Like maybe you'll ask uh, something like, can I stay on hormones for the rest of my life and see what they say? And that might rule out quite a few people right away because <laughs> they're not going to be on the same page as you. But it, it's a lot of work. You know, it is a lot of work. Yeah. And unfortunately, we do have to advocate for ourselves um, because a lot of providers are not educated and they're not going to give us um, information that is really the best for our health. So I think you're on the right track. And you can always jump on I-10 and drive down to Houston. <laughs> We'd love to see you. Well, don't give up. Um, don't give up. It's just going to take somebody to sit down and really listen to you. And that's what you deserve. Okay. So I hope you can find right, that and, and keep you. trying. All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So lots of great questions today. Always lots of questions about hormones and the different ways to get them and pros and cons and side effects. So it feels like we keep digging in deeper to finding out more and more about how hormones work for our patients. So if you have a question or you're on hormones or thinking about it, you can submit the question to drsusan.com, drsusan.com slash ask, or about anything else. We talked about hair restoration today. We, we can talk about laser. We can talk about labiaplasty. We can talk about sexual function, anything that you feel excited about midlife wellness. So if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share it with your friends. And we can't wait to hear your questions. We'll see you next time on Ask Dr. Susan Live. 